It's just a little recap of, of what God did on, Wednesday, on Thursday night, and uh, it was very special, not only to see uh, parents give their heart to the Lord, but then to see the, the students praying for their parents at the end. It was really special. We thank the Lord for all he's doing. This morning, we are going to pick up on our series uh, called Remarkable. It's been this walkthrough that we've been doing the Gospel of Mark. And today, we're going to look at the life of a man who physically dealt with something that you and I deal with spiritually. So if you have your Bible, let me encourage you to open up to the Gospel of Mark and uh, chapter 10, we're going to begin looking at verse 46. I'm reading for the New Living Translation. The Bible says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named uh, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Bartimaeus is the life that we are going to look at this morning. By the way, his name means son of the unclean. Now, we're not, we're not sure uh, about what that, why that name was given to him and what exactly it means. Um, we don't know much about his history. Uh, we suspect that Son of unclean could either meant that he was a Gentile and not a Jew, obviously, or that he was part Jewish and part Gentile and therefore still considered unclean, but we're not sure. Uh, regardless of that, the Bible does tell us that he was blind. Now, we don't know why he's blind. We don't know how long he uh, was blind. But he heard on this particular day that Jesus was nearby. I love that, nearby. And so he cries out for mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Again, we don't know why, but we are told that there are people that are in the crowd that try to silence him. And uh, to, maybe because they were Hebrew and he wasn't, or they, were, they knew that he was uh, partly uh, Hebrew, so unclean, and they didn't want him to have any attention with the Lord. We're not sure. But they, 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 they tried to silence him, but he cried out even louder. And he finally caught Jesus' attention. His persistence 
in crying out to the Lord, got his attention. So Jesus said, call him to come here. So he throws off his coat, and he came to the Lord. Now, it would seem obvious that he was blind and that that's probably what he wanted from Jesus. But nonetheless, Jesus asked him, what is it that you want? And so he says, Rabbi, I want to see. And then Jesus told him, you can go. Your faith has healed you. And instantly, the Bible says, his eyes were open and he could see. And then he followed Jesus. I often say that when we're reading our Bible, the things that we see, the stories that unfold in the Bible, although they may be physical in nature, they often symbolize or mirror our spiritual life. The physical often mirrors the spiritual. And that's true in the case here of Bartimaeus' story. Because Bartimaeus suffered from a physical blindness. Now, here's the thing. We all, every single one of us, beginning with the speaker on the platform, we all, in one form or another, suffer from spiritual blindness. And by spiritual blindness, I'm talking about the fact that there is some truth that we cannot see. That's what I'm talking about when I talk spiritual blindness, that there's some truth that we cannot see. For instance, as we, we talk, Bartimaeus, his name means son of unclean. Well, every single one of us is born spiritually blind, especially in this way. We are all born unclean. There's no one that was born a saint. Oh, I love to always say that. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them you were not born a saint. Right? There's no one that was born. We're not born saints. We're not perfect. We're all born blind to this truth. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for everyone, come on, say everyone with me, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And listen to this verse. Psalm 53, verse 4, excuse me, Psalm 58, verse 3 says, These wicked people are what? Born sinners. They have lied and gone their own way. I love this verse because it tells us we are all, we're born sinners. So no one is born an angel. Nobody is born morally right in God's sight. We're all sinners. And part of this sinful nature that we're all born with is that we're all born lying. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach children to lie? Right? You get a little boy, and, he, and he's got all this chocolate, and mom is asking, did you eat that chocolate I told you you couldn't eat? No. <laughs> right? Instantly, you don't have to train a child to lie. It's part of our DNA package. We're all born sinful. And a big portion of this spiritual blindness, even when we are willing to acknowledge that we're born sinful, is that we still often don't see that we need a Savior. We're blind to the need of a Savior. 
many years ago, even though I was already a pastor, it was difficult to get my mom to come to church. And whenever I would talk to her about the gospel, her need for a savior, she would always reply to me, but, but I don't need that because I'm a good person. My mom uh, never drank. My mom didn't smoke. She wasn't, didn't lead any, quote, sinful life in her eyes. So in her eyes, she felt, I'm a morally good person. I, I, I don't need a savior. And it wasn't until many years later that God opened her eyes, and she embraced Jesus Christ as her Lord and her Savior. But many of us go through life thinking, well, I don't need Jesus. I'm okay. I'm all right. And some of us are blind to the fact we think, well, religion is the answer. I'm okay with God because I belong to Belmont. Well, if you belong to Belmont and you're not right with God, you're in big trouble because there's nothing special about this place. There is no religion that can seal the deal as far as make being right with God. Only Jesus Christ can do that, you see. And even when we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we begin this Christian journey, even then we all suffer from this thing called spiritual blindness. Let me give you some examples that came to my heart. This is certainly not all-inclusive, but just a few examples I think we can relate with. Oftentimes, we are blind to relationships that we shouldn't be in. Because of our emotions, because we love that person, because we feel that they're the one, we are blinded to the fact that we should not be in that relationship. If you know your Bible, you, there's a young man named Samson. How many know who Samson is? Well, Samson fell in love with a, a woman that was not Hebrew, which was forbidden in the law, and his parents told him so. Now, in the, in, in the days of the Old Testament, uh, in order to get married, it was your parents who secured the deal and, and made the arrangement. So Moses told them, make the arrangement, I want to marry her. And they said, no, but you can't, but she's not one of us. And they're saying, I don't care, she's the right one for me. And that didn't work out. You would think that Samson would learn his lesson. But shortly thereafter that, he meets another woman who's not Hebrew, and her name is Delilah. And Delilah was actually a Philistine who were the enemies of God. You would think he would know better, but see, he fell in love with Delilah, and now we have this problem. And so often, sadly, as a pastor over 35 years, I've counseled people and say, this is not the right relationship. You need to end that. And it becomes so difficult, especially when you're spiritually blind. Love, that emotion blinds us to what the obvious is. Have you ever done that with a friend? Like, you can see what they can't see. Like, it's obvious to you, this ain't going to work, you know. But, but they can't see it. Why? Because they are, that moment, they are blinded by their emotion, so they don't want to see. There's another form of blindness. Again, I'm not talking about people who are not Christians. I'm talking about Christians who have embraced Christ as their Savior. We can be Christians and yet not treat our spouse right. 
We can be harsh. We can have, we can have harsh words. We can have bad attitudes. We can mistreat the ones that we love. And this is not limited to husband or wife. It could be also parents to children and children to parents. Where we come to church on Sunday, we love Jesus, but then when we go home, there's a blindness that kicks in, and we don't see the detriment that we are creating by our actions. We don't see the hurt that we're doing, the damage that we're doing based upon our words. Words can cut into people and shred them apart. But we, we don't see that oftentimes. We're spiritually blind to all of these things. So we're blind to the damage that we're doing until often it's too late. And there's another form of blindness that's related to this. And sadly, it happens more than we care to acknowledge. Because we are good. We are excellent at looking at the fault in everybody else's life. I, 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 I can tell you I am a pro at looking at your faults. But I'm not alone. I can see exactly why you are where you are. But how many know it's easy to pick out somebody else's faults? It's easy to see somebody else's fault. Well, but it's difficult oftentimes to see your own faults. To see the spiritual blindness. And what did Jesus say? Stop trying to pick out the little speck in your brother's eye. Look at this beam that's in your own eye. The, the, the translation to that is, no matter how bad you think someone else's sin is, your sin is worse. And this is God saying it, not me, right? But we're good at looking at another person's life and judging them. How could she claim to be a Christian? Look at the way she treats her husband. And you're in the bathroom, you put it, I can't believe her. You're doing your thing on the bathroom. <laughs> Ladies, you better be careful when you go in the bathroom and gossip. I'm going to be there, but my wife sometimes has walked out of the stall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You never know. See, God, because he loves us, often exposes our sin. And there are times where we are good at finding the fault. This is what happens, too, by the way, in marriages. We're good at finding our spouse's faults. But we're not so good at seeing our own faults. And if we see them, they're always small in comparison to our spouses. You see. We're talking about spiritual blindness this morning. Something that we all suffer from. Here's a spiritual blindness. Many of God's children don't realize they're blind to the fact that they're controlled by money. Their life is controlled by money. How do I know that? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. In Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set aside apart to him as holy. In the New Testament, it says it this way, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a, a sum of money, listen, in keeping with your income. Then Jesus said, 
in Matthew 26, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money is the only God that Jesus ever spoke about. Think about that. How we can serve the God of money. Now, what does that mean, Pastor? Let's break it down. When we are blind to the truth, the Bible lays out God's blueprint for our lives that we are blessed by God. The jobs that you have, listen, I want to give it to you straight up. It wasn't your talent that got you the job. It wasn't because somebody owed you that got you the job. It wasn't because somebody felt sorry that you have the job. The job that you have, you have because God blessed you with it. Which, by the way, can I add a little uh, side nugget on there? If God got you the job and you agree with that, then you should never leave that job until God tells you to do so. You may say, well, but, but you don't know what's going on. I don't need to know. If God got you the job, don't leave until he tells you to leave the job. Now, going back to my sermon. So if God is the one that blesses us and everything that we have, listen, the, your credit card did not get you the clothes on your back. The, the home that you have, the, the furniture, the Bible tells us every good gift comes from the Father above. God is the one who blesses us. Now, God says this, out of the blessing that I've given you, I want 10% of your income to come to my house. That's holy. It belongs to me. So 10% of my income. So if I make $100 a week, that means 10 bucks goes to God every week. And as I increase, I, I knew a brother in the church in New York, a uh, precious man, he, he wound up being a deacon in our church, and he got a job. God opened the door for him to become an insurance agent. And in the beginning, he didn't make a whole lot of money. But he was faithful in giving God 10%. And all of a sudden, God began to bless him. And he began to grow his business. And he came to me one day and confessed. He said, Pastor, when I was making $100 a week, I had no problem giving God $10. But now I make $1,000 a week. And every time I come to Rancho, $100 a week to God? He said, I have to confess to you, that's a lot of money. I said, well, the percentage hasn't changed. And remember, who's the one that's been blessing your business? The same God who blessed your business is the same God that can take away your business. Now, listen, we don't give to be blessed. We don't give for fear of not being blessed. We give out of obedience to God's word. That's the, that's the bottom line. So now the Bible tells us here that our income, 10% of our income go, comes to God. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You've got to decide, are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? Why? Because often God's people struggle with bringing in that 10%. And we haven't even begun to talk about giving beyond 10%, which is called offerings, right? Giving towards mission, giving towards specific projects, and so forth. Why do we struggle on that? Well, because well, somehow we think that money is the answer to life. 
We think that money is going to buy us happiness. We're blinded to this truth that says money is going to help me, not God, money. I got to make it on my own. And and all of these other lies that that blind us from honoring God, not realizing that if we honor God, then God's going to honor us and take care of us as the word promises us, you see. We're talking about spiritual blindness this morning. One more example before I move on. Here's an area, again, many of us suffer spiritual blindness in. We don't see the harvest. We don't see the harvest. Jesus told his disciples, his followers, in John chapter 4, verse 35, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What did Jesus mean? There were people coming to Jesus, and he wanted the disciples, his followers, to see the crowd of people that were coming to Jesus that needed something from Jesus. The harvest is simply the the multitude of people that we are surrounded with every single day of our life. In school, there's a harvest. There are young people that are hungry to know the truth, that are hungry for something that Jesus can provide. There are people in our community, in our jobs. There are people that are in our families. There are people that don't know Christ as their Savior, and therefore they walk in darkness, but they're at a point where the Bible says they are ripe. They're ready to listen. They're hungry for somebody to tell them, this is the good news. This is what God has done for you because he loves you. By the way, that's what we are commanded to do in the Scriptures to go out of the four walls of this church and live in the community and be a witness to tell people the story of the good news of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But we're so often blind to the needs of the people right around us that we can go on for months and even years and never share the gospel with anybody, not even with our family. We're too Ashamed. Listen, if we're ashamed to talk about Jesus, then we're blind to the truth. What do I mean by that? Listen, I might be ashamed to tell him about the truth, but here's the, here's, here's the, the truth that I don't see. This man needs Christ as his Savior. Moreover, if God brings him to me, it's because he's ready to hear the good news. And, and God makes his soul easy, if I could use that word for us, God oftentimes brings us people and somewhere in the conversation they say something that immediately your spirit goes on fire and say, tell them about Jesus, tell them about the Lord, and and, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And you're in there for like a half hour, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, and the person just leaves. And it's gone, the moment is gone. And it's simply because we're blinded to the truth that their need is far more important than our, than our embarrassment. Think about that one. Let that sink in for a while. So how can we get our eyes open this morning? How can we receive our sight? Listen, let me give you some things. Number one, in receiving our sight, it starts with acknowledging our blindness. Telling God, 
I don't see God. I don't understand. You know what? God can handle that. It comes to that point where you say, God, I don't understand what everybody is talking about. I don't understand what the big deal is. God doesn't have a problem if you can tell him that. He can handle that. It's the recognition, the acknowledgement before God that you know there's something in your life that you can't see and you want to go to God with it. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 39. I entered this world to render judgment. Listen, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they're blind. Some Pharisees, religious leaders, who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you see. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you're going around saying, I see, I understand, I get it, but you really don't get it. But because you claim you see, then your blindness still remains, and therefore your sin still remains. You see? But Jesus said, I came to give sight to the blind. So number one, it's about confessing our blindness to the Lord. Number two, it's about crying out to the Lord, like Bartimaeus did. Crying out to the Lord. Now listen, there's some things that you see in here in the text. He recognized that Jesus was nearby. I'm so happy that Jesus is always nearby. Right? Notice, it must be a cry for mercy. He didn't cry out to God and say, I deserve to, for you to heal me. God, I've done this, I've done that. The cry for mercy is recognizing I don't, I don't earn, I haven't earned, and nor do I, uh, am I blessed enough for you to do this for me. I don't deserve anything of what I'm asking, but I'm asking anyway. That's the cry for mercy. It might need to be persistent, right? He had to cry out a few times. People were trying to silence him, but he had to continue to persist. And notice that when Jesus asked him, what is it that you want? He said, I want to see God, which speaks to me of desire. It's interesting. You could say that you're blind and not desire to see. You can acknowledge that you don't know it, but the truth is you don't want to know it. And then Jesus said, your faith has made you well. We need to believe that God wants to open up our eyes here this morning. You see? And here's the other thing you need. The Bible says that when he was called by, by the Lord, he threw his coat aside. The coat was used by beggars, blind beggars, to, to put on the floor. They sat on it, and the alms, what people gave them, was, was laid out on the coat. Bartimaeus throwing his coat aside was that spiritual sign. He did, it was a physical, but it was spiritual representation. Lord, I'm ready to change my life. I'm ready to leave my old life behind. See, We need to be ready when we pray to God 
to say, God, I, I don't see, but I want to see. And I'm ready to leave my old life behind, God, if that's what it takes. Worship team, if you would come. Now, let's go recap two things in receiving our sight. Number one is acknowledging our blindness. Number two is crying out to the Lord. Here's number three. And it sounds so simple, but it's important. And that's following the Lord. I found it fascinating that Jesus told Bartimaeus, I'm going to make, like, like Leroy is Bartimaeus. He said, Leroy, go. Your faith has healed you. And Jesus started walking. And the Bible says, instead of Bartimaeus going, he followed the Lord. Listen to me now. When we receive spiritual sight from the Lord, when, when we see that revelation where God shows us something in our life that needs to get transformed, all true transformation always results in you wanting to follow Jesus, deepening that relationship with the Lord. In other words, this is not about you saying, oh, I see now, I, I, I need to be a better husband. And that's wonderful being a better husband. But if it doesn't result in you following the Lord, you're still spiritually blind. All true spiritual transformation always results in you and I taking that step where you're saying, I want to follow Jesus in this. I want to make sure that my life mirrors his life. You see what I'm talking about? In other words, I'm not doing this just for doing this. I, my passion, my desire is I want to draw closer to the Lord. I want to follow him. And every spiritual awakening where we see the truth results in a renewed dedication to follow the Lord. I can't claim that I see that Jesus Christ is the Savior who died for my sins on the cross yet refuse to surrender my heart to him. I can't claim to see that the relationship that I'm in is wrong, but still stay in it. I can't claim to see the wrong that I'm doing regarding my relationship with my spouse or my family, but still continue to do it. I can't claim to see the truth about tithing and yet refuse to tithe. I can't claim to see the harvest and yet remain silent when it comes to sharing the good news. You see, what I'm getting at is there's a big difference between mental understanding and spiritual awakening. You can say, I see up here, which means I physically understand what you're saying, Pastor. But that doesn't lead to transformation. Up here, all you get is knowledge, facts. Here is where the transformation takes place. From my head, I understand, but with my heart, I follow. Where now I'm making a commitment to say, God, I want to see. I really want to understand, God. How can I be a better husband, God? I understand that I'm not, that I, and there's some blind spots in my relationship and the way that I act and the things that I do. But I, God, I really want to be better because I really want to be like you, God. I really want to see. And God will reveal something. And if it's spiritual in nature, 
it will impact this. And you must then follow in that because it can be no other way. Because your heart is engaged to honoring and obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus told Bartimaeus he could go, but Bartimaeus didn't want to go. See, when, when God does something in your life that is transformational, it is that response of your spirit saying, I, I just want to follow him more. I can't leave him. I can't go. I, I want to follow him. I want you to stand with me this morning, please. Pastor Jason is going to lead us in a chorus time or two. And I want you to do two things. I want you to sing along with him. But while you're singing, I'm praying that there's something that begins to resonate in your soul today where you consider what areas of my life, God, am I spiritually blind? God, what, is, what, the, what are you trying to say to my life today? Every one of us has some area of our life where there's a spiritual blindness. I may not have touched on it, but I know that the Spirit of God can make it real to us even right now if we really want to see. Jesus said, I came to open the eyes of the blind. This morning, if God has been ministering to your heart, talking to you, Revealing to you there's areas of blindness in your life. And you want God to heal you of that spiritual blindness, to open your eyes so that you can see, so that you can truly then follow him. Let's do what Bartimaeus did, shall we? Let's begin to cry out to the Lord. He's nearby. He's as close as the mention of his name. If it's your desire to receive spiritual sight this morning, I invite you to join me as I lift up my hands and cry out to the Lord. Lord, we want to see. We want to see this morning. We know that you're passing by, God. We know that you're here by your spirit, oh God. And we recognize that there's some blind spots in our life. There's some spiritual blindness going on, God. We call upon your name. We call upon your name, oh God, we call upon your name. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Don't pass us by this morning, oh God. We call upon your name, oh God, and our desire, oh God. Our desire is to see. I want to see how I can be a better pastor. I want to see how I can be a better husband, a better brother, a better sister to the people in the church, oh God. A better neighbor, open my eyes, God. Open our eyes today, oh God. There's a harvest all around us, oh God. Open our eyes so that we can see the harvest, God so that our hearts will respond, oh God. Open our eyes, oh God, to our relationships and how we can build stronger relationships one with another here and at home, oh God. We recognize today, God, that like Bartimaeus,
there are areas, oh God, that we all need to improve in. And oftentimes, we look back, as it were, and we say, wow, I wish I knew then what I know now. We look back and say, at that point, I was blind. I didn't understand. I didn't see. And God, I don't want time to be the one that reveals to us the wrong that we've done or the things that we could have done better. We don't want to have regrets. We want to be like Bartimaeus. We want to see so that we can follow you. Bless every single person here today, God, with spiritual eyesight, oh God. Everyone that's watching online, open our eyes, oh God, so that we might see those areas that right now we are blind to. So that in all things, your wonderful name might be lifted up and glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, sing it one more time.